At Valve & Meter, we take a math-before-marketing approach to working with every client. This means that we don't implement any actions on behalf of a client without a methodical, data-driven plan. Math for us is top of mind in building strategy because it is what helps us define tactics at a particular client's disposal to move their business forward. For us, good marketing results are defined by delivering proven, trackable results using three primary metrics. ROMs, growth rate, profitability. We call our strategy work Think First. Good marketing strategy starts with understanding the results that marketing must deliver to drive profitable growth and align the marketing strategy with the business strategy. Start with the math before getting attached to the tactics you will use. Employ the data and facts to knit together a robust strategy for financial success and growth. Is your marketing strategy aligned with your business strategy? What are the results your marketing efforts must deliver to drive profitable growth for your business? In this episode of Here We Grow, Marsha speaks with Kenny Machinery CEO, Mike Kenny. In their conversation, Mike and Marsha share the benefits of a think-first marketing focus and how this strategy ultimately spelled success for Kenny Machinery. Today we're talking with my good friend Mike Kenny, CEO of Kenny Machinery and RPM Machinery, uh, based in Indiana. Um, Mike, it's I really appreciate you joining us to have a conversation about marketing strategy today. That's my pleasure. Good. So um, we've had a we've had a, a relationship that just we just finished I think our fourth year or we're pretty close to ending our fourth year. Something like that. Together, yes. yeah, and uh, we're getting ready to move into the fifth year. We are getting ready to move into the fifth year, right? Oh, we'll find out after this meeting. <laughs> we're yeah, actually, yes, we yeah. will be moving into the fifth year. Yeah, we're <laughs> actually reviewing their fourth year results today and talking about what the next 12 months look like. Mike and I are pretty good about ribbing one each and one another. Absolutely. <laughs> so good. Um, Mike, um, for our listeners, um, I, I really like having you inside these podcasts because you've really had a a four-year look inside of something that started out as developing a marketing strategy and been evolving over that around uh, 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 and has been and has been evolving over time into a, these working marketing programs you have that are driving great growth for you. Um, and in the book Here We Grow, we talk about the importance of a marketing strategy. So we're going to walk through that with our listeners today. But I'd like to start with. Let's hear the Mike Kenny ready for lifetime movie <laughs> version of what your life has been. Sure. Um, well, I uh, born and raised in Indianapolis, um, and but for two years have uh, uh, lived here my entire life. Um, when I was getting ready to graduate from college, I had some plans to maybe go start my own little business and then eventually come to the work uh, for the family business, which is now a fourth generation, 100 plus year old uh, company. Right. Um, and my dad at that time said, um, those plans sound great, but if you want to work for the family business, uh, you're going to have to go get some experience somewhere else in, in a similar company. Um, I'm not just going to hire you, you know, the day that you decide you want to come to work right. for the company. <laughs> now so, today you'll hear that. And you'll hear that coached a lot when people are dealing with multi 
generational family businesses. Yeah, and I think I'm it was not, genius on my dad's part. Yeah, I'm not sure that was common back then, but how wise, because it's very important to the succession. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I moved to New England, uh, went to work for a company called Turf Products, which is another multi-generational family business in the same um, space that we're in. We're the, the Kenny Machinery is a distributor for the Toro Company. Mm. Uh, Turf Products uh, was likewise a distributor for the Toro Company. So I went out there and um, I was a sales rep for a year. And then uh, I think the owner was just being nice to me because he knew that um, you know, my ultimate plan was to come back and work for the family business. Uh, but he promoted me to sales manager. And I, uh, I sat in that role for a year before I came back to Indianapolis and um, came to work for our company. Nice. Nice. And then what was that journey like from when you returned to work for the Kenny, for Kenny Machinery? And you worked for your dad, right? Correct. So, so honestly, uh, the company I was working for in New England was at the time one of the larger distributors for Toro in the country. Very successful, high growth, high energy. And Kenny Machinery uh, was really one of the smaller distributors for the Toro company. Um, and frankly, today, they still are. Uh, but we've managed to scale our business in, in other ways. Um, so when I came back from that experience, uh, I, I was somewhat disappointed to begin with because uh, what I had perceived on the outside, just as you know, uh, uh, looking at it as the you know uh, my father's business, um, it was different than it, you know than the reality. So there were there were lots of issues to be dealt with, and that's not to say it was a bad business. It was just a much different environment than than I had worked in for two years in New England. So did it was did it kind of feel like you were a consultant inside your your dad's business? Well, there was a little bit of that, and I'm a, I've got a little bit of a hard charging, you know, um, personality, and uh, much different than my dad. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, all credit to him. I think during the window of time that we worked together, which was oh a little over ten years, um, I, I think we only had two arguments that were that I would call fights. Wow, you know, where we were both hostile, you know, in the conversation. Yeah. Uh, and and I give him all the credit for that because he uh, <clears throat> he let me you know um, try things and make mistakes and um, you know uh, basically fail forward. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, yeah, my mother worked for me. We fought two times a day. <laughs> <laughs> I love the story about how we met. Um, there were a couple different ways that that um, we got introduced, but um, let's hear your version and then I'll plus it up. <laughs> Sure, that's fair. Uh, well, we actually met on a home build with Homes for Hope. Right. Um, but I knew of you because my friend Dave Lindsay, who I'd been in a YPO forum with um, years prior, mm -hmm. um, had spoken about you, and, and obviously you were running his company at the right. time, uh, so so I knew about you. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, when we met on the home build, uh, you know, we just met briefly. There were a lot of people at that, and I think four or five different homes were built during that trip. And we weren't on the same uh, the same home, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I came back from that, and I, I'd been growing increasingly frustrated with our uh, with our marketing mm -hmm. at both Kenny Machinery and now this new business that we had acquired called RPM Machinery. And um, I, I can't remember if I uh, saw something online that mentioned your name again or what it was, but somehow your your name appeared in front of me again. It's mm -hmm. that you know shortly after that trip. Right. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to call her and um, see if, 
if maybe her company would be a good fit for what we do. Right. So um, my version of it is, so uh, and a little more context on Dave, Dave Lindsay and running his company. So I started out as he was my client, and he was $2 million in revenue when we started. And then four years later, we merged the companies together. He was $25 million then. And I took the position of director of marketing, did that for about seven years, and then became president and CEO. So you were in his YPO forum, and you're watching this growth story happen that's going on with his company. That's right. He yeah. probably was in the $2 million to $50 million uh, right. you know, growth period when I was in that forum with him. And then his company exploded after that. Right. Uh, but I kept in touch with him uh, periodically. Yeah. And yeah. It, was, it was really interesting to... Uh, see and uh, uh, hear about the, uh, the successes that were being had there. So, um, so we met on a YWAM missionary trip. And then um, later I was on that same trip again. You were not on that trip. And when I was on that trip, you're, you're, you're down there for four days to right. build a home for, in Homes of Hope. And I had two business meetings in different cities prior to the mission trip and then another one after the mission trip. So I was on the road for a period of nine days and was really still in the startup phase of Valve and Meter. And the whole time I'm going, I don't have time for this. This is about the mission trip. I'm like, I don't have time for this. My, my sales pipeline's blowing up. I'm really hurting the business by being there. It's just this little voice in my head going, I know I'm a sinner. So, <laughs> so I, get, I get back. To the office on a Tuesday morning, the the uh, business development rep comes to me and says, Marcia, this uh, business called in at 7 a.m. this morning or sent an email in at 7 a.m. this morning, and they um, they have a $50 million heavy equipment, uh, heavy equipment business, and they'd like to uh, talk to you about doing the marketing for them. And he knows you because you were on a mission trip with him last year, um, and that's where you met. And I was like... I was like, oh, God's getting me right there again. <laughs> Get those little God nudges. So I, I come to my first meeting with you pretty much afraid I'm getting struck by lightning. But <laughs> <laughs> And it happened. Um, no, you, uh, you came in. We sat down and talked the first time about you know, what was going on with your marketing. We mm -hmm. did a little bit of a free marketing assessment that we like to do here at Valve Meter. It helps us to make sure you've got a problem that we can solve before you spend any money before we go to the next stage. Um, and, and so that next stage then would have been your think first strategy development. Right. So what, talk to me about how that process was for you. Um, and I know it's been a few years, but yeah. Yeah. So the, the idea of think first, uh, really, uh, it, it felt right to me. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I, uh, just a few years prior, I read a marketing book that talked about the importance of strategy before tactics and, when, when you talked about uh, think first, mm -hmm. you know, I, I recalled that and I thought to myself, you know, I, uh, apparently I, I'm a slow learner. I didn't learn a lesson from that <laughs> book because everything we were doing was tactics before strategy. Right. Um, yeah. And so we were basically wasting a lot of money. Yeah. And some of what you were in, you're, you're, you're a manufacturer's rep, so you're, you're a rep for case manufacturing. Yeah, we're actually a rep for Toro. For Toro, okay. But then we're also uh, a, a, dealer. a dealer for Toro and for uh, case construction equipment. Got it, got it. So sometimes in those environments, because typically the business owners of those types of businesses 
may not be completely marketing savvy or, or see the need for a full-blown strategy or marketing, uh, campaign, marketing tactics. Sometimes what happens is the uh, manufacturer will say, well, there's this company that does this and that and the other, but it never gets codified with the uniform strategy. Right. And that perfectly describes the situation we were in. Right. Yeah. We, so we, we would use a, a third party recommended by a case, for example, to uh, maintain our website, update it, and then send out a couple emails a month to um, whatever list of emails we happen to have in our right. system. Uh, and then with Toro, you know, we, we'd participate in uh, trade events and uh, there's a big golf show every year. That's kind of a, a, a big expense and big customer gathering. Um, and, you know, that, that was kind of the extent of mm -hmm. our uh, um, marketing efforts. Right. Right. Um, there was lead quality issues when we talked to your team going through the think first process um, we had the, your sales leader, Fred Rollman, went in and looked at what your salespeople had reported in as results for those meetings that had been set for them. Yeah, so there's, yeah. there was another third, uh, third party company that we um, had engaged to do um, outreach, right. you know, the dialing for dollars, basically, yeah. right? And uh, very impressive on the front end, very data driven. We, we were really excited about that. And as, as it unfolded, they turned over their team multiple times during a fairly short relationship window that we had. I don't think we were using them for more than a year. Right. And, um, and we just never got the quality leads that, that we were promised. And, and, and we paid a lot of money to, mm -hmm. you know, to uh, try that program. Right. So uh, they, they were sending us leads for um, uh, sometimes our competitors. And yeah. you're thinking to yourself, well, well, sure, the competitor wants to know uh, more about um, our company. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, have them call me. <laughs> yeah. Um, the websites were not maintained. There was a lot of errors in the websites. They'd been built, um, at least one of them had been built quite a few years prior. Yeah, the RPM website yeah. was, uh, I think, a little clunkier than the Kenny Machinery one. Mm -hmm. it had, Kenny Machinery had hired a, an independent guy um, right. to to redesign, uh, their site. And it was, uh, it still wasn't great, but it, it was, it was in better shape. The RPM one, um, it looked good, but you're right. There were errors in it. And, um, unbeknownst to us, you know, nobody was seeing it. It wasn't right. popping up in uh, search engine results. So. Right. There wasn't any kind of strategy in place or tactics even in place to, um, get search engine optimization onto the site. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so fortunately you had a great sales team and good sales leadership, and they were out there knocking on doors, and the business had been growing somewhat, so that was helpful. Um, but one of the things that I noticed that happened in strategy, you know, at the time when we sat down and I'm taking in the data about the numbers of your business, mm -hmm. and we're talking about average deal size, and we're focused on equipment sales. Right. Right. And I missed it that there was also service. I knew there was service and parts, but they were small dollar value, right? Compared to, I mean, you can get a $200,000 order at the drop of a hat, right? Right. Transaction sizes were certainly smaller with parts and service right. and, and even rental. Uh, but the actual gross margin percent mm -hmm. is significantly higher. And the, you know, the, the total, uh, um, and, and it gets skewed big time with equipment because equipment sells at fairly low margins. Right. Right. That, 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 and I, I overlooked the importance of that piece of data in the strategy. 
So here we find out that I'm not perfect, right? <laughs> <laughs> and evidently you're not either because you said, yes, this sounds good. Yep. So, <laughs> so we go marching off that's on my, this path. That's yeah. my nature, ready, fire, aim. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm telling you, yeah, I got you, brother. Um, no, we go down this path of, um, heavy, of heavy equipment sales. And, um, and we get six months down the road and we are, we're, our team is focused on the heavy equipment sales. There's some things coming in, but it's not much. Mm-hmm. Um, and for what, because if you looked at heavy equipment sales and you said, okay, now what's your target return on marketing spend? It's 10 to one because of the margins in the business. Right. But in parts and service, it's going to be a lower Right. Uh, there's a lower return on marketing spend that's accept, accept, ex, acceptable, which can be, you know, three to one or four to one that'll grow that business prop that part of the business profitably. And so we were both sides, you and us, were in panic over this. Um, and finally, it hit me: we've got to calculate instead of return on marketing spend, we've got to look at gross profit return on marketing spend for right. this client. And when we measured it that way. A healthy gross profit return on marketing spend. Most people will accept a dollar twenty-five. A dollar fifty is good. If we translated what your ten-to-one target was when we started into a gross profit target, it would translate at about two twenty-five would be the goal. And we were hitting that number with a couple of different tactics, and so that helped us to hone in. Helped you to put a focus too on the service. We switched some of the tactics to going after service instead of equipment. And then parts came along in the journey too. So we had to, we did that shift after the original strategy was developed. It we go through it every quarter and adjust. That was right. the second adjustment. So six months in is where we were, where we were making that change. Yeah, and that all happened before COVID hit. Oh, so thank was, God uh, we had a year in front of us before we, COVID hit. Yeah. yeah. So we talked about shifting the uh, strategy to. Um, well, first the metric to gross profit return on marketing spend, right. and then um, shifting some uh, uh, some outreach strategy to parts and service, mm-hmm. uh, and then shortly thereafter we completely shifted our overall company strategy to put the focus on uh, bringing customers in with uh, parts, service, or rental transactions mm-hmm. because those are smaller transactions, and it's easier to build a relationship with somebody that then turns into the sale of a couple hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we put the, we, we put the pedal down on that strategy hard right? And, and it paid off. Yeah. So the other thing that we knew in your strategy, you have in one line of business, it takes a full year to get all the results in from a, for a marketing tactic. And the other one, it takes a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Those are long sales cycles. So right. we had to figure out how do we know that this thing's on track. And sometimes, you know, the sales team knows from pipeline volume, Fred's really good at tracking. It was, has been very good at tracking that. Um, you can, sometimes you can tell from that, but the other thing we could do is we could predict where is half the results going to be in at, because that was pretty consistent. And then that would give us more of a three to six month mm-hmm. timeline where we could say from a marketing perspective, similar to your pipeline value from the marketing volume that we're seeing, based on 90 days or 120 days, this one looks like it's on track. So that helped to make some pre-decisions without having all the revenue in. Right, right. So part of of the strategy that we developed, we proposed building a new website for RPM. 
Correct. We, typically, we don't like to do that at the beginning of a relationship. We'd r- really rather get things done to the website, and on the website, they're going to make money and then come back and build. But we didn't think we were going to be able to produce anything without having the website rebuild. Um, right, yeah. which is how bad it was. Yeah. Again, it looked good, but, you know, that to the layman. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and then the... Uh, and then I and then I get the phone call I don't really like to get from a client that says we need to talk about because we're in this website build, and you called me in, and you just very patiently and lovingly explained to me what was not going right in your customer experience on the build of this website, and you said to me, um, I I care about Marsha and I want her to know because I would want to know if this was going on with one of my clients. What have you always operated that way, or is that because you're a vendor that you? have learned to do that? Um, so I'll, uh, you know, I'll give my dad credit there. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we've, and it's kind of the core values that came from Kenny Machinery. We're talking about the RPM website, but, you know, the, the core values are now shared, uh, you know, between companies. And, right. and one of our core values is uh, build positive relationships. Mm-hmm. And we, um, when we explain that to uh our employees, we help them understand that positive relationships are with vendors, customers, coworkers. Right. Uh, I always say that uh, we all spend way too many hours of our lives working, not to be friends with the people we work with or do business with. Right. And that's, you know, that that's that, that's just part of who we are. Right. Yeah, I write about this, and here we grow about the importance of of how you manage the uh, outsource relationship or mm-hmm. or a vendor in general. At Defenders, when I started there, I had been used to leading a team of about 200 people. And when we merged the business, I was a team of one person on marketing now. (laughs) And so I'm looking around for where can I use these leadership skills. So I I just led the vendors like I would a team and shared the goals and the results and expectations and told them, look, I've got an unlimited budget for marketing that works. If we can prove this hits this return on marketing spend, we're buying everything you can sell us. And what I've observed happening is I got a lot of discretionary effort from the vendors. I got them really thinking outside the box of, well, if she's not getting her six to one return goal, if we reduce the pricing by 15%, she hits, and then she's going to buy $2 million of this a year from us. Right. But without, but without leading that way, they weren't, they would have never been able to see that there was abundance on the other side of, of right. that relationship. So rather than um, viewing a relationship as transactional, you're you're co-creating right. uh, and a result that is better for both of you. Yeah, and that's we. I mean, we believe that big time. Right. Um, uh, that you know, working with our customers or and or our vendors to you know co-create a better way. Right. Is uh, that that's ultimately the path to success? Yeah, your account manager sits in your EOS meeting on sales and marketing. Correct. And that young man on my team, on my payroll, would move heaven and earth for you. You get so much discretionary work from him. <laughs> That's good to know. It's, he, he's got to be one of the best values in marketing. But the other thing I saw in this approach, Mike, is by, um, by what you were looking back on it, you, your belief that we could do it and could win for you and get the results was so strong that you were willing to slog it out and help us get through that bumps and bruises part of our relationship sure. to get to the other side, right? I'm going to give you some credit, too, there, because on the very front end, you said, uh, 
uh, it's going to take 18 months before you really uh, start seeing results and you really like me. And I can't remember exactly the words yeah. you used, but you, you said I was going to think you were uh, some uh, sort of terrible person, right. you know, six to 12 months into it. And uh, Yeah, I said, um, um, you're going to hate me for the first six months. You'll tolerate me for the second six months. And after that, you'll wonder how you ever live without me. There you go. <laughs> which works just the opposite for me in marriage and internet dating. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's that. And then, yeah, the other thing that happened in that strategy work at Think First mm -hmm. was when we were done presenting, you asked one of the wisest questions I think a business owner ever asks us. And I only get this asked once in a while. If when we move forward with you, what's the most important thing for us to do to help you be successful in, a, in us growing? Mm -hmm. And I said, I need that guy right there to be my new best friend. And that was your vice president of sales, Fred Rollman. Right. And Fred dug in and really went after it, and we won together. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, and that's part of the reason that uh, your guy sits in a weekly um, L10 meeting, EOS meeting right. uh, with our team uh, because – you know, he really is part of the team, and that's we, we, we want to work side by side. Right. And my recollection, too, is that we um, – uh, I know I came in at least once, but our team came into the Valvin Meter offices uh, a handful of times educating the Valvin Meter team yes. about what we do and inviting right. them over to our place to, you mm -hmm. know, uh, kick tires and see what kinds of machines we sell. And, um, mm -hmm. and, and working together like that, I think, probably accelerated uh, the results. Right. You really do use us as a fractional marketing department. Absolutely. There's there's no one on your side that's doing marketing. We report in through Fred, your who was your VP of sales at first. Yep. Is today your president, and uh, it makes for a very fluid environment. You know, we know how to run the marketing. You don't have to learn how to do that. That's exactly right. Yeah. So that that part's been really great for us. So. You know, when we started this strategy, you told me, look, this industry does not grow really fast. Um, What's the typical growth rate for a uh, company in your in your line of business? Probably three to seven percent. Some yeah. of that depending on you know annual inflation rates, and economy. Some of it just the overall you know yeah. GDP growing. Supply chain. We saw that in recent years with COVID. Yeah, the supply. That's yeah. Yeah, that's that's another struggle. We've right. actually had to shift some strategies there too right. because uh, uh, we ran out of equipment to sell. You right. Know, so we we reallocated some resources as part of that. Yeah. And one of the quarterly reviews, you know, we're going back in and saying, yep. all right, we got COVID going on. We can't get new equipment. What do we do from here? And so both companies are trying to find their next best footing there. And it worked. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell me about, we've been together four years. Um, you know, in that first 12 months is kind of your ramping up period, but we did it profitably. You didn't, you, mm -hmm. you made money, you made uh, marketing dollars from that, but what's growth been like these last four years for you? So we've, uh, as a combined business, RPM and Kenny machinery, we, uh, when we started the relationship with, uh, valve and meter, probably we're in the $60 million top line, um, area. And we should finish this year at about 105 million. Yeah, that's remarkable. But the marketing has been solid, but the way your team has grown too and evolved has been has been stunning. You know, I think about the same time that we started working with you, you got involved in the entrepreneurial operating system EOS. 
Yeah, actually, yeah. Kitty Machinery had been using EOS for a few years. Got it. And then when I got the opportunity to um, uh, take over as president at RPM Machinery, mm -hmm. which happened before we acquired RPM, um, I implemented EOS over there as well, uh, just because I, I knew that that was going to be the quickest way to sort of um, bring the culture of the people together. And uh, in, in fact, it, I'll just give EOS a plug here on sure. the uh, yeah, that's on, great. On, uh, on the podcast. But um, when we when we first um, merged with RPM, I'm sorry, when I first took over at RPM, mm -hmm. we uh, administered the Gallup Employee Engagement Survey mm -hmm. to all those employees. And then we brought them together for a company meeting, and we shared the results of that survey. And Gallup kind of lumps things into uh, three different buckets, red, yellow, green. Green's, you know, green means you're doing well. Yellow means you, you know, you've got some work to do, and red means you're in big trouble. Every single uh, element of that survey was in the red. Mm. And we, I think we were like in the 20, 20, 21st percentile of all companies. And, um, and we shared that information with the employees. And, and at the same meeting, we introduced them to EOS and we explained to them, you know, what that was going to look like over the next 12 months and how they were going to get involved and have a voice. And um, the very next year when we administered that survey, every element was in the green. That's awesome. And I attribute that largely to EOS mm -hmm. because it just naturally engages right. all of your employees. Everybody has a voice, right. uh, which means, you know, you've got the, uh, the power of collective thinking mm -hmm. that you can harness. Um, so I, I, I'm a big fan of EOS, just the structure of that. Yeah. I was at your annual meeting when you were <clears throat> in that transition and you said um, to your team, I feel it's necessary to have EOS in place because it's the way each of you can find their voice, just like you just said. Mm -hmm. I came right back to Defenders and called, a, call, called it. Call, you I, mean I, Valvometer? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I came right back to Valvometer and said, let's take a look at EOS again. And we went on it um, right after that. Um, so we are both operating in that same operating system, which I think helps with a lot of the fluency between our organizations, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And EOS is also a program that um, that is about people developing and learning because it's oper it's your operating system uh, helps people to follow a plan. You know, this is how we do a meeting. This is how we have a quarterly conversation. This is how we um, do report cards and hold one another accountable. I've found you over the years to be a leader who is continuously developing, and you are a lifelong learner. But you know, sometimes as we get older, you're you're several years younger than I am. But, it, you know, folks will tend to stop trying to actively learn. But you're still in there punching it out with your brain. Tell me about some of the things you've done for your personal development. Uh, well, just three weeks ago, I bought about $400 worth of books that are specifically focused on how to better run an equipment dealership. Really? Yeah. And uh, we've been digging into those. Yeah. Um, in fact, I brought one with uh, with me today for, for, our, for our meeting after this, <laughs> after this podcast. Um, so... Yeah, I you know, um I am a lifelong learner. That's mm -hmm. a, that's the, that's important to me. Yeah. Um I love the business of business. Right. Uh and finding opportunities and fixing things and uh you know, raising the bar, making things better. Yeah. Uh so any resource that I can find that, you know, is is going to have a new way of thinking or a better way of thinking or probably more importantly been there done that way of thinking right, so right. I, so I don't have to, you know, learn through mistakes. Um, uh, then I'm, I'm all over that. Right. You also are going shoulder to shoulder with other successful entrepreneurs to learn from them in places like YPO 
Yes. Your manufacturer's relationships put some of you together like that too? Yep. Yeah. What are some of the wins that you get in those types of environments? Uh, so both uh, Toro and Case will have annual uh, mm-hmm. meetings of uh, dealer principals or sales teams. And uh, I love participating in those. And, and really, I would say 90% of the learning comes after the day sitting through sessions where you're sitting around the yeah. bar having drinks with your peers and talking about maybe what happened during the session today, but then relating it to, um, you know, real life experiences in different markets. And uh, I always walk away from those meetings with, uh, new ideas, energized, ready to try something different. And, uh, you know, YPO as well as, uh, uh, that that's an organization where, um, you know, I, I've joked from the beginning that, um, you know, we just barely belonged on the bus, you know, as a member of YPO, (laughs) But at least we might be in the back seat, but at least we're on the bus. But I love it when and, you tell that story. And I, I, um, I, w- I always walk away from YPO experiences, be it uh, with forum groups or just you know a, a chapter meeting, um, with uh, raising the bar for myself. Because mm-hmm. I, I look around and I, you know, see and hear all these super successful uh, men and women that are leading other businesses, talking about you know what they're doing, right. and and it just uh, it challenges me to go back and get better. Yeah. Another environment that we're both in, um, you were in before I was, but True You, um, that's a, a local area group here in the greater Indianapolis area who brings together companies who believe that people are the difference makers in their, in their businesses. Yeah, so uh, obviously that was um, uh, founded by Dave Lindsay and, yep. and came out of the Defender's so maybe we we're a true. You remember before you were, but you were at the roots of true use <laughs> founding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, that you know, that's another sort of uh, one of those God things. I don't know that I've told you this story no, before yeah. or not, but I stumbled on a video. I think it might have been on LinkedIn, maybe Facebook. I don't remember, mm-hmm. but it was uh, Dave Lindsay being interviewed by uh, someone, and I think it might have had a Homes of Hope uh, um, context to it. Right. But in any event. Uh, he was describing true you yeah. and and how these things that he'd learned in his company about investing in people so that they could grow mm-hmm. as individuals. Uh, he's now put this organization together to, um, uh, you, you know, help other companies do the same thing. Yeah. And and I listened to that and I was just fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. And then I, I immediately walked next door, pulled our general manager in at the time and said, hey, I want you to watch this video. And when she was done watching mm-hmm. it, uh, she was the same as I was. I was. We, I said, we have to go find out uh, how we can join this organization. Right. And I think I sent Dave a message maybe. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, the very next morning I was having breakfast with someone. And I overhear a conversation going on at the table next to me. And they're basically telling uh, Dave Lindsay's story. Yeah. And I, so I, I listened to this conversation. I finished my breakfast. And I went over and I introduced myself. And it was uh, Kyle Defer oh. who was running True You right. the very next morning right. after I'd stumbled on this uh, video. It was just really bizarre. That's a God thing. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, looking back on it, I think it is a God thing. Yeah. So we immediately joined. Didn't matter what yeah. the price was. I, I was like, and it's yeah, very affordable. We're, we're in. Yeah. We, yeah, we're in. It yeah. is very affordable. It I was actually cool. shocked at what the price was yeah. on the low end. Right. And so we're, we're often in shoulder to shoulder in those um, educational infor- environments and forums too, learning from um, subject matter experts and one another. There's um, over 100 companies today in the greater Indianapolis area. Yeah. And those are great learning uh, uh, forums. And, the, right. and again, they, I walk away energized because I, I always take you know, some nugget away that I can uh, 
right. you know, think about. And, yeah, and, and it's probably important to point out True you um, is different from YPO. YPO is aimed at the executive. Right. Maybe one or two or a third executive inside a YPO forum. True you is aimed at the front line. You know, Mike and I are talking right. right now about us learning things in there, and we do, but the majority of the content and the purpose of it is to help everybody learn. Yeah, the entire population of employees right, uh, right. or team members. Yeah. I know I've sat in um, the leadership, le- the leaders in training. Uh, they have that leaders in training program that we mm-hmm. we can each send mem- we can each send team members into. Right, we've sent several people through. Yeah, and I've enjoyed being in those um, capstone presentations with your team members, doing their capstone presentation and then graduating. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's been very moving. I try to attend as many of those as I can. Yeah, they um, appreciate that a lot. It's yeah, the, those are the, that's a great program. So uh, one more thought about True You. Sure. The, um, you know, we've talked about me being a lifelong learner mm-hmm. and how important that is. Right. And, and I always thought just by setting the example and, and letting people know that, you know, how important uh, I felt learning was, that that was, you know, that, that I'd done my job until I stumbled on True You. And that's when the light bulb went off. Again, I'm a slow learner. Um, <laughs> that, you know what? Uh, not everybody is just wired that way, right. and you, you know you, you have to you have to make those opportunities available to people. Right. They're not necessarily just going to go look for the opportunities mm-hmm. themselves, and and uh, that's really transformational. When you turn when you flip that switch inside of a company, right. and you start proactively putting in front of people these unique learning opportunities that they naturally wouldn't go look for themselves, then then you've really opened up a whole new world for. Um, you know, for the whole team. Yeah, and it's a competitive edge in your environment. Absolutely. Your competitors aren't doing things like that. Yeah. Probably not. Right. Um, that's a great, great stories about learning and the community of learners. Um, Mike, one of the things that I really tried to highlight in the book, Here We Grow, is transformation. You know, people becoming noticeably different or getting different, noticeably different outcomes. Um, when you look back at your team and the people around you, tell me about someone you've really seen go through tremendous transformation. Well, I, I, I think Fred Rollman's probably the one that comes to mind uh, or to the top of the list right. when it comes to mind. Um, you know, when, when, we, when I got the opportunity to uh, be the president of RPM Machinery, mm-hmm. um, this is pre-acquisition, um, and the, the the way that came about is a whole different story that we don't have time for today. But when I when I came into that role, uh, Fred was a sales rep for that company, and he was probably the most skeptical of the entire group. But he was the you best know, salesperson. He was he was uh, one of the best in the country. He was one of their top performing salespeople, and, and yeah. yeah, he Fred was a very successful mm-hmm. sales rep. Um, and he went from, you know, sort of arms crossed in the back of the room, you know, staring me down as I was introducing myself. And he can you know, be in intimidating. He's, to he's today, former, yeah, he's a big guy. Former he's, Purdue he, football that's right. player. Yeah, yeah, that's right, a Big Ten lineman. Um, and uh, today he's the president of our company, and yeah. he's just a total sponge for learning. I mean, right. he, I, I, you know, he, he laps up everything we feed yeah. him. Um, uh, in fact, uh, you know, I mentioned I bought a bunch of books, and mm-hmm. uh, he's already consumed like a 400-page one uh, just in the last week and a half. And yeah. he's just, he just dives in and, and learns. So Fred went from um, 
being a sales rep to uh, we made him sales manager there at RPM. Then when we merged the companies, there was going to be, you know, we had a sales manager on each side of the business, and, and we really needed to consolidate that. And uh, Fred, uh, you know, Fred was the winner for that spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he went from, uh, from that role to um, becoming the president of the company. So I, I would say, you know, somebody that's grown right. uh, that, you know, I, I don't know that I could give a better example than that. Well, it's notable, Mike, that he grew through all those positions under your leadership. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I guess I hadn't thought about it that way. Right, right. And I'll take some credit. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something else unique about Fred being in that position, right? Uh, yeah, Fred is the uh, – we, we had a party for him, th- and thank you. You, sure. you uh, uh, put that together so okay. we could celebrate Fred's promotion to president, but – um, you know, we're a fourth generation, uh, you know, mm-hmm. almost 120 year old family business now. Mm-hmm. And Fred is the first president of the company, not named Kenny. So, yeah, that's got to make you feel good. It does. Yeah. You know, Mike, in 2013, I, I kind of was making plans to exit defenders over 400 million in revenue, 2,600 employees. I'm in the CEO seat and I felt like I was being called to grow to share the marketing math model with other companies. You're who I was called to share that with. Well, I I feel blessed that you were called to share it with me, and certainly blessed to be. Uh, yeah. well, um, enjoy it. No. <laughs> certainly, certainly blessed uh, with the friendship that Absolutely. we've developed. Yeah, we've got a lot further to go. <laughs> Now let me go sell you some stuff. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll get my checkbook out. Thank you for joining us for Here We Grow. This show is proudly brought to you by Valve and Meter Performance Marketing. Be sure to check out the show notes for exclusive content that will help you become a transformational leader. For more, visit mathbeforemarketing.com slash podcast.